I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to Legend Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Zwift for Stage 18 of the Vuelta. And if you listen to our rest day recap, you know tactically that we said nothing will happen in the third week. That was deliberate, right? We were just baiting the teams into proving us wrong, which they might like to do. So this day is from Trujillo uh, to Alto del Piornal, which has shallow gradient climbs, two reps of Piornal. I'm not sure if it's from a different angle or the same one. Anyway, it's 13K, 5% climb, and it's steady too. No fake news here. It is like 5% all the way. So hard to get gaps. Before then was the Alto de la Desespera. How long is that? 1,500 meters, 10.3% after 4.3K, 6% climb. So that was actually the steepest part of the race. Uh, But that's sort of after the break is gone. And yeah, it was interesting to see who would get in the break again. Would it be Verona get freedom, Carapaz, Vine for KOM points? There is two Cat 1 climbs after all, even though they aren't that difficult. Uh, and we did have a huge break, Benji. <laughs> Monstrous again. And I thought, I had a little siesta. I thought, this is going to be a nailed on break. They'll battle on the last climb and GC were rolling together. I thought something similar when I saw it, especially knowing that a quick step doesn't have the team to control it. So it would depend on other teams to try and make something of the stage to make sure that the break doesn't win for it not to being a, a break win. Now, that break was gigantic. You mentioned it. And... It's basically like one third of the peloton with all the people that have left the peloton, if I had my guess going. Now, we've got multiple riders for Jumbo, Omen and Yesing, four riders from EF, Kudus, Spodden, Shaw, Garfi. So, trying to get something out of the stage, you know, two riders from Bahrain, Mater, Zambanini, Nibli in there for Astana. He actually becomes a useful character in this stage after we low-key roasted him yesterday, not mentioning that he came fourth in the Giro, which was our bad, I think. Now, we also had the likes of... Two riders from UAE in that front group, and that was Soler. And next to that, another rider in that group was Oliveira, also for that team. I think Verona and Oliveira were in the breakaway as well, which was, well, Oliveira, Nelson Oliveira from Movistar. I know this is confusing. Evo Oliveira for UAE. There's two different Oliveiras in this breakaway, so we need to confirm every single time the, the first name as well, otherwise you don't know who we're talking about. I think those are the most important names in this breakaway, to be honest. There's also a Craddock once again, a Cataldo, a Murice, uh, a Pino, for example, a Gisbert, Higuita, Carapaz, Gegenhardt as well. And I, I'd say those are the most important names of this group. So we'll keep it at that for now. And then something happens in the peloton. Breakaway aside, something happens in the peloton, and it's before we get a broadcast, unfortunately. There's a crash, and it's actually a pretty... Big crash with roughly 10 riders on the right side of the road. We only saw mobile footage of it afterwards, uploaded by the Vuelta Twitter. It's on there if you want to see it. I'd advise not to, because it was pretty horrific to see. Fine sitting on the floor, Mes Peterson standing up, Carlos Rodriguez looking pretty banged up, and the consequences are severe in the sense that we lose Jay Vine 
as our KOM leader in this stage very early on, before the first proper climb. And it's a bummer for the race, you know, because losing a, a leader is horrendous. Losing someone that's competing for lead is horrendous. Losing anyone is really horrendous, but it makes it worse when they're actually like validly competing for stuff in the race as well. And that means that Karapas, who is in the breakaway, is virtually KOM leader. Mes Peterson looks like he was relatively fine during the crash, but Rodriguez was pretty banged up as well. Like, yeah, it sucks, right? Not much else we can say about that crash, you know? Yeah. I mean, the good news is that I don't think Jay has any head injuries and I think no broken bones, luckily. Um, maybe just a deep cut okay. or something. Um, so he's still getting checked out, but it's looking like, despite it being a high-speed crash, you know, never good, but hopefully it's it's not the worst it could have been. So thoughts with him, uh, he had a great welter. Shame to see him out like that, of course. Um, but speaking of Vine, who came through his Zwift Academy, Zwift Academy registration is still open now if you want to sign up or if you want to check out the Zwift Hub, which is on sale from the 3rd of October in the UK, uh, US, and uh, mainland Europe, you can go to Zwift.com to check it out. It's Zwift's new smart trainer, more than competitively priced in the market, even comes pre-installed with the cassette of your choice, 8 to 12 speed, Shimano, SRAM, or Campax. So go to Zwift.com to check that out or to start your free seven-day trial. But this stage got lit up, Benji. That 32-man break kind of believed what happened behind. Yeah, exactly. We had a move by the team that yesterday we spoke about that they were not working well together, and today they arguably did, in my opinion. Now, it wasn't perfect everywhere, but let's talk about what they did first. We had Ivo Oliveira in the breakaway already. We had Soler in the breakaway, so two UAE riders up there. The gap was, I think, six minutes roughly at that point in the race. And we come towards a smaller climb in the middle of the stage, the steeper of the three climbs, but the shortest one, the Alto de la Desespera. And we see a move from the peloton by McNulty launching Almeida from the peloton. So those two riders get a bit of a gap on the peloton. And this is still before broadcast properly starts. And we see that gap opening up until it's like 1 minute 30 on the peloton. So it was actually succeeding quite well on that Desespera climb in the initial parts of the descent. But then McNulty pulls off in that group. And then there needs to be a reaction from UAE. Then one of the two UAE riders up front needs to react and needs to get towards Almeida, who is now riding solo in this valley right now. And I think that's the part of their plan that didn't work ideally. I think that's the part where they could have done better, where... They didn't get their riders, their satellite riders up front to Almeida fast enough, meaning that in the valleys and in the descents, he was working on his own regard. And these are the pedaling descents as well, which is obviously not ideal because you still spend energy doing so. And Ivo Oliveira is the first one that waits. He waits before we get to that Alto de Piornal first climb. And he actually gets to Almeida before we get to that climb because he still helps a bit in the valley. But then the climb comes and then the reaction from the peloton comes. And when you see that situation, Patrick, when you see that situation where Oliveira's facing Almeida, just ahead, like a minute 20 on the peloton now, peloton being paced by both Astana and Movistar, mainly Astana at that point, what are you thinking to yourself? I mean, I said UAE were the only team, I said they were the strongest team in the race physically yesterday. Like, not they don't have the strongest rider, but across a group of four, they have the strongest four or five 
they have the only the only team with two leaders in genuine GC position threat. But this was just too early. It's just too early. I think you look Almeida gained uh, like twenty seconds plus on Rodriguez in a short burst yesterday. Now he's sort of doing the opposite end of that spectrum. And is it helping Ayuso? I guess he gets to sit in a seat. Uh, it's hurting Rodriguez, who's having a much harder overall stage, who's crashed. So that is helping uh, Almeida move up and Ayuso get some breathing room behind him. But I really think they should have done this on the second last Pionale. I really think you pace with McNulty there and you have Soler for the last climb would be very, very strong. He just sits on the brake the whole way. Or you use Almeida Ayuso 1-2 attacks. Um, I, I, the way they did this, it, it ended up just not working at all. But the aspect that I have against that is that I think it's also kind of the parkour making this that way. As in, UAE saw that initial climb as the steepest one, as the one where differences could be made and that gap could have been made initially. I fear that if they did this at the Purnell, the first Purnell, that they might not have been able to maybe gap at the top of the Purnell climb. And it depends, you know, Rodriguez wasn't looking good. So technically in hindsight, they probably could have done it later and Rodriguez would have dropped on that second pure or last Purnell anyway. But that's like the one thing I saw to it. And there was another team that actually had plans for the uh, second last Purnell. And it's one of the teams pacing in the peloton. But I guess we'll first talk a bit more what happens in the breakaway before we get to that aspect. Basically, we get a, a situation where the breakaway is falling apart significantly. I don't know which one was the first Huge. one that made the move, to be honest. Was it Hugh Carthy? Huge! He went up the road, yeah. Carapaz, Hesink, Pino joined him, I think. Okay. And Jasper? Anagita. Anagita and Jasper, I think, maybe. Jasper went ahead, I think, on last Pional um, yeah. for ages, but... Yeah, uh, Hessink was working for Omen at the base of the climb. I was like, this is the wrong way around. <laughs> Hessink's going to drop him. So he went off after Carthy. I thought they, I still thought they were going to win Benji um, because yeah. Pino, Carapaz, Igita, Carthy, Jasper, have I missed anyone? Hessink. That's six really strong guys for five, 6% climbs. And I still thought they were the favorite at that point. But the time gaps, I really didn't. The time gaps are really suspect on second last pure now. Yes, certainly. And the added aspect is that we don't made up pacing in front of the peloton. The peloton's giving gas as well. The breakaway needs to keep giving gas. Otherwise, they won't make it. So there's like pressure in all three groups to ride as fast as possible to the top of that second last pure now as well. And the aspect that I saw there was that the gap was significantly lowering still from like, uh, the peloton to the front. So it was going to become close at the end if Almeida wasn't initially caught because Almeida's the one that keeps this peloton moving. Almeida's the one that triggers an Astana and a Movistar to do stuff. And Astana had plans on that second last Purnal. And it was so unclear because the TV broadcast missed the entire attack that I'm going to be talking about. But I'm 90% sure that this is how the situation went. Astana and Movistar paced towards the top of Purnal. Astana was the one that significantly set it up to the actual top of the second last Purnal. And in the meanwhile, we see a shot from the front where after Oliveira was done helping Almeida, Soler was the next one that helped Almeida, came a bit late, Almeida paced a bit on his own, but also we saw Nibali dropping from the front. And we saw him dropping from the front at the same time that we saw 
a shot from the GC group near the top of Purnal with only 10 riders left where Lopez apparently had attacked and Rodriguez was off the back. So Rodriguez, consequences of the crash most likely. We don't know if, if he could have been there without the crash. I would have said yes, looking at how seriously he was banged up. And it really wasn't well-timed in this situation either. As in, Anibali should be there at the top. Lopez should try and link up at the top. But the issue is also there's still a gap between the two at the top here. So that didn't really work out. Lopez making a gap on a climb like this, it's unlikely. Or would you say it succeeded knowing that Rodriguez was behind for a bit? It was a lot of really clunky satellite riders. Um, sort of stuff today, UAE, Movistar, Anastana, it was like clunky timing and even Soler, Benji, when yeah. like, he, I don't know if he keeps pedaling. It just seems he's dropped from the group. Like Nibali came back, I think, quicker, but we got no images yeah. really of the Lopez attack. But when Soler was coming back for Almeida, it took so long for him to come back. I was like, you see, I think he was just riding with the Burgos rider and they're having a chat and then eventually Almeida caught up to him and then he started accelerating. Soler did a really, really good job. But yeah, unfortunately for them, Soler brings Almeida back to the breakaway. They dangle 30 seconds ahead of the GC group, which swells uh, Turner or Gagenhart brings Rodriguez back to but that group. That's not like the front breakaway, right? We're talking about the second group, right? In that situation, yeah, yeah. just to sketch it properly for the people listening. And there's ahead still the group of Hersink, Pino, Carapaz, Gita. They reach the base of uh, Pional, and Carapaz is in full finesse mode. I think maybe to his detriment today, Gisbert goes up the road early there. They have a gap of 130 at the base. Hersink off camera. I don't think it was shown him attacking the Carapaz Pino group um bridges across to Gisbert and then we have behind the group coming back they catch Almeida we have a group of Almeida Ayuso Mas um even a pole Van Wilder obviously Hindley Aronsman O'Connor and it's got satellite riders coming back Carapaz comes back for Rodriguez who just makes it there Verona comes back for Enric Mas. Oliveira was pacing for Enric Mas. So it was clear Benji Movistar, Mas had diamonds in the legs. And to his credit, he was super aggressive today. I think he was stronger than Avon Apollo on this finish today. Possibly. We uh, saw the move by Movistar setting something up on that final pure null then. And I got to be honest, I was starting to think, okay, kissing, just bear, kissing, dropping just bear at the front end. It became closer and closer with the peloton behind because that peloton started moving closer to Almeida as well. And that being the case is, is still Almeida being in front of the peloton group, which means that Astana and Sofov are still pacing. Nibali paced a lot at the initial part of this final pure null to make sure they get closer towards Almeida to the point where I think Lopez was one of the first ones to also make a move. But you're right. I think Movistar was the proper fighter here in today's stage in the GC group. And I don't actually know the order of the riders that did the work, but I think Oliveira was first and then yeah. Verona was the next one to work. Or did Mas attack towards Verona? Which situation was oh, it? I couldn't figure it out. Like Verona came back from the break. He'd been marking like Carapaz. He looked good, good climb for him. Then he's dropped back and then Mas lets his gap go and suddenly Verona's pacing the Australians and Aaronsman. 
And I was like, what's this? And I think then Mars did attack. Mars attacked through a feed zone. He attacked at least yeah. six, five or six times. 5% gradient is just, it's not much to work with. It's it's really tough. It's a shame this third week. I think 7 8% must drop save in a poll. Not a huge gap, but I think he gaps him at the end. Um, and, and he nearly did. Avenapol threw in an attack, uh, but Hersink's up the road. He's got 30 seconds, and it was kind of like when Kranich was ahead of Carap... Uh, no, no, ahead of Uran and Harada and co. the other day. They attack, they stop, they attack, they stop. It goes 30 to 20 to 25 to 18 to 22, and then suddenly Enric Maas throws in one last big haymaker, and Robert Hersink gets genomated, Harry Nees. Uh, Mars catches up to him. I don't think Mars was trying to let him win the stage. I think Mars was using Hersink to lead him out for the sprint for the stage uh, to just recover. I think in hindsight, if he'd kept the pressure on, maybe he beats Avonapol, but in the end, Avonapol sits in the wheel of Mars, gets in the drops, and puts two seconds with him on the road and wins his first road stage at this welter. In red, uphill, defensive, sort of. He attacked a few times, but a nice win nonetheless. I would have liked to see a battle on 78%, Mars second, and Hessink third. What do you make of... Enric Mars shape, Benji, Movistar's tactics, Avonapol's shape compared to week one. I think Avonapol is 2% off his week one shape. Possibly, but I will add that I do think that Enric Mars' shape right now is notably better than in week one. Although he was stronger, he maybe it's that he is the one that stayed on level while Remco Avonapol drew. Nah, I think yeah. Mars became no, that's what probably I think. a bit better as well. I think a tiny bit, at least compared to week one. And with Enric Mas, it's also the fact he's been criticized a lot for not attacking. Now he's attacking, and now he's being roasted for catching Robert Hersink on the line because he attacked too much. Like, come on, he's, guys. Robert Hersink's <laughs> not a neo-pro. Like, he's made a lot of money in his career, I think. Like, he's had a good yeah. career. <laughs> it's all fair and love and war. Exactly. But also next to that, there's also... I think the parkour is doing Enric Mas a bit dirty. Obviously, we knew the parkour for ages, but... If this last week is harder, I'm going to put my hand in the fire and say that Enric Mas gains time on the name of Pool. Oh, I think so too, yeah. Like he was strong on Sierra Nevada, really, really strong. Had me confused. And he's, Enric Mas is so much stronger than um, every other GC contender but Avenapol. And I was yep. even thinking like, I was like, why isn't Remco attacking? And I think even a, a Mas' stop start was really, really strong. So yeah, it's... This is the thing, though. The incumbent GC advantage when you can play defensive in the wheel in third week is so big when the gradients are 5% and the draft benefit is over 5%. That's why that early lead and surviving Sierra Nevada, as we said in Rest Day Recap 2, just puts Renko in the box seat. And the question that I have now for you is that we've got this stage that on paper wasn't going to be as aggressive and crazy as we had today. Like, we said that stage 19 is not the craziest stage, we'll talk about it in a bit, but stage 20 is also one, the Puerto Navarra Serrada stage that had grains of 5-ish percent, and we saw moves in those kind of climbs today that we probably weren't expecting, a Lopez trying satellite rider move on the second last pure null, Almeida going really early on the stage. Do you think that with the crazy stuff we're seeing on a stage like today, that stage 20 might be crazier than we are expecting? I think so, I think it's going to kick off. 
like Almeida and UAE are not going to go down without swinging. Uh, Lopez, don't know what he's going to do. Uh, There's a car on think... the side of the road on stage 20. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> stage... Does, Movistar looks a bit better than Quickstep right now. Oliveira's getting in any break he yep. wants. Verona's strong. Balo didn't really do too much, I don't think. But it was Quickstep were just Van Wilder. And then at the base of the final climb, he dropped pretty quickly. So I think Mas, there's that. One of that, the second last climb is like 7%. I think the Macuerdo, whoever you say, I don't have it in front of me. It is a bit steeper. Mas, Mas has to go on that one and have a satellite rider. But even so, I'll remind you of the GC gaps. He's 2 minutes 07 behind Avonapol after today's stage, with Avonapol taking four bonus seconds on him. Um, I used on 5.14. Lopez moves into fourth on 5.56. Poor Carlos Rodriguez moves into fifth. He lost a lot of time on the final climb because of his injuries. On 6.49, Almeida knocking at the door of fifth on 7.14. Aaronsman, O'Connor, Uran, Hindley, uh, no changes between them through the t- the top 10. Uh, Pino finished with the GC group, but he was in the break today. So Pat tipped to him, got in the break, just didn't go with Hersink. Um, <laughs> and Juno made it was a bit stronger. So yeah, tomorrow's stage, as you mentioned, Benji, um, it, it's 139Ks from Talavera de la Reina. They do the Puerto del Pelago twice, 9Ks, 6%. Is pretty steady. It's not too steep in places at all, really. Just the second climb is eight percent. The rest is like five, five and a half. Um, and the climb before it's about five point six k's, four percent. It's really, it's about twenty k's of climbing punctuated by two short descents. I guess UAE. What would I do if I was UAE tomorrow? Short stage. What would I do? I would probably get McNulty and Soler in the break or Oliveira. I'd try and get two in the break. And then I would have Almeida attack again on the final climb and have those guys pace the descent and then hope Avonapol doesn't chase. The problem with that is that Astana and Movistar will chase. So time gain will be small. But actually, you don't know if you don't try. I think Ineos might now be the one that might start pacing if UAE does that because. Rodriguez lost his fourth position to Lopez today because of the consequences of dropping on that final climb because of the consequences of his crash. He's now on 649 in GC while Almeida is on 714. That's only, oh God, basic Marvel terrible. It is 25 seconds, is my guess. And if that is indeed true, those 25 seconds, then that is really close. And I would love to see Almeida attack, like you were saying, try and hop over one more rider in GC. That puts him in the top five of GC. I think that's his goal right now. And then UE is trying to defend the top three players and the top five players on the last two GC stages. I think that's the perfect situation for that team. I think Almeida needs to make that move similar to what you're saying. I'd argue that McNulty launched him well today, though. So perhaps McNulty should be there to launch him on the second climb while Oliveira and the other guy, Soler, could be there in the first climb. Something like that. I don't know. Like, they'll figure it out. I hope, because I'd love to see that, because it would make tomorrow's stage a lot better than just the breakaway stage. But it's also so short that it reminds me of those... 2017, there was a stage in the Tour de France where I spoke about it yesterday, I think, that millimeter sprint between Uran and Bargill. 
that stage was also short, had multiple climbs to the point where it wasn't sure whether GC or breakaway, and it kind of became a, a situation where some riders went into the break, GC tried a bit of stuff, Landa tried to bridge earlier on or something. I don't know, something crazy, but in general, it's kind of that kind of stage where it could be. It's likely going to be a rider that attacks early, and I don't think it would be easy for a GC rider to win, but I don't believe that no GC riders will do anything on this stage. I dare to say even a Mazmut might try something on that second climb, because we're talking about the last two mountain stages here. I don't expect Maz to wait until the Puerta de Nova Cerrada stage if he can try again tomorrow, you know? And also, Quickstep don't look good. They don't look that good. So mm -hmm. why not put them under a lot of pressure on that first climb? 6%, 10Ks plus. See, if Renko's having to control everything, I would start to put them under pressure there and build something for, I mean, stage 20, yeah, is looking uh, much more difficult for them to control as well and a better place for raids. I'm going with the downhill flat finish tomorrow, free Verona, but he won't get freed. I am going with the Duck to win solo, Lawson Craddock. Yeah, he's yeah. been so good. This is the stage that suits him a bit more. Um, yeah. He's got to get away. He can't be with... I think there'll be a group of, I don't know, can Pedersen win this stage, Benji, if if it doesn't kick oh, off? Nah, I don't believe it. Fuck that. It's not happening. After today's <laughs> crash as well. I crashed today, true. Because yeah, the top of the final uh, climb is yeah. 43 kilometers. So, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm always like leaning towards Grupama riders on parkours like this because I swear we had... Uh, store winning a stage where we had multiple climbs like this during the stage uh, lastly year and then also in the Tour de France we had that stage where I saw Godou fighting with Colbrelli behind Conrad or something I vaguely remember something like that at least and Pinot won a stage in I don't even know when Pinot won a stage like this but he probably did at some point so because of that vague memory I'm gonna say do I want to say Thibaut Pinot I don't know, how Twitter's going to be so hyped Pino, if Pino wins. How is he going to win, win this? He's going to attack early. Typical Pinot style. There's a descent, though. Yeah, but he can... His descending's not terrible these days. It's gotten a lot better from when it was the worst time. It's not amazing yeah. either. I don't know, man. Like, I don't know what to say anymore for this last <laughs> three mountain stage. Like, this is not an obvious victory for a certain rider for me. I'm going to steal your pick from yesterday. Fuck it. Luis Leon Sanchez. Yeah. I was going to go in again. Craddock, Lewis <laughs> Leon. Uh, I'm going Richard Carapaz to win. Um, I think he'll win a small group sprint and he will play the other guys yep. like he did a Gita in Catalonia. Um, GC, I don't expect I don't expect big gaps, uh, to be honest. So, yeah, that's tomorrow's stage. It is a shame that, I don't know, it's a shame. I, I feel like this, this third week is just missing one proper mountain stage that's really hard yeah um maybe stage 20 will kick off but anyway it's uh yeah who do you who do you think like i'm thinking of if i'm ineos rodriguez is banged up i don't like i'm just thinking through the ua thoughts benji almeida does that today did that help by you so like I don't really, I don't really understand. <laughs> like the the because to me, 
I would have Almeida would have paced the last climb for Ayuso, who I think has a good punch to try and win the stage. Um, are they still like at this point? Would you still say do your own thing, each of them, or would you say yeah. it's time for Almeida? Really, you wouldn't have Almeida ride for Ayuso yet. Uh, right now, not He's because third Almeida on has GC. Almeida has a chance of entering the top five as well. It's much better to be third and fifth and third and sixth. The top ten is a meh in Grand Tour. Top five is amazing in a Grand Tour. So I'm saying Almeida has to go all out to get over Rodriguez now. They're in that situation. They can't switch around now. The gap is also not that crazy between Ayuso and Almeida. It's not, It's still like two minutes only. Like Ayuso hasn't looked the strongest of the two in the last two days, if I no. got to be honest. So True. I'd say Almeida switches off on a solo mission again tomorrow. He gets over Rodriguez, sees how close he can get towards Lopez with that move. And if that becomes a battle, then they might even get third and fourth in this Grand Tour. You never know, because Almeida's uh, having a good Grand Tour last week, it seems. But nah, Almeida's on his mission tomorrow. It's going to happen. Alrighty, Benji's team Almeida. I'm not so sure. He's got great <laughs> legs. Does he have the timing? Eh, no, I think the breakaway has to win tomorrow. Anyway, that's all from us. A bit of a short recap. Avonapol wins his first road stage of the Vuelta. Thanks to Zwift, as always, and we'll see you with a recap of Stage 19 tomorrow. Ciao. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 